Hello, and welcome to The Wednesday Word. This is a podcast, a roundtable podcast produced by Desert Spring United Methodist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. It is our goal to uh, create connections, to hear people's stories um, in the church, um, and hopefully to get a bit of a refresher from David's Sunday sermon um, and kind of carry the sermon forward into our week as we learn more about each other as church family and, and our own personal faith stories and how we're relating to the sermon. Pastor David writes our devotional um, each week, and it is based on our sermon. Um, if you missed Sunday sermon and you'd like to hear it, you can go to the website, desertspringchurch.com, and find links there to a lot of really wonderful content, including our worship services and sermon-only videos. Today, I'm happy to welcome our guests, uh, Linda Lewis. Hi. And Susan Denley. Hello. Um, these lovely ladies um, are part of uh, the community group that just ended. Um, they are related by marriage and just have a wonderful rapport and great care and love for each other. Um, and Susan is joining us via Zoom from Southern California. Um, and I thought it would be really nice to have Susan on because she is an online uh, congregation member. Uh, Susan, you uh, worship every week online, join the chat uh, through the website and um, participate um, in community groups and so forth. So. Desert Spring Online is Susan's church, and so I thought it would be wonderful to have that perspective um, as well. Susan, why don't you uh, say hi, introduce yourself, how you found Desert Spring, what your involvement is, just a little background on yourself, please. Yeah, I uh, live in Southern California, but I used to, when I visit Linda in Las Vegas, which I used to do three or four times a year, um, I would often go to church with her at Desert Spring. I fell in love with Desert Spring, and I knew how much it meant to Linda and to my mother-in-law, her mother, and her mother's aunt, her, I mean, her aunt, who used to live in Vegas uh, and were, were almost founding members of the church. They'd been there for many years before they passed away. But the church meant a lot to me, and I felt like where the church is coming from, the philosophy, the welcome, the welcoming kind of church it is, was just right for me. Well, when COVID started, I couldn't go to any churches in person. So it was a godsend to be able to worship online. And I fell in love even more with the church worshiping online. So I have been pretty much every Sunday since about March of 2020. And I've tried to participate in any fundraisers I can or any activities that one is able to do from afar. I've tried to be involved in, and I love the community group. It was a great way for me to connect more with more members. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. And Linda, why don't you give a little bit of your history uh, with Desert Spring? Okay, I joined Desert Spring about 22 years ago. I'm not a founding member. We were not founding members, but 
very shortly after, actually when Pastor Dan Morley was leading the church. And so um, I've worshipped here through Dan Morley, through Tom Maddock, and of course with Pastor Dave. And I've told Pastor Dave I've been a Methodist my whole life, but I never really got it until I came to Desert Spring. Mm. Um, and I, I'm kind of embarrassed about that because I should have figured it out. Mm. But um, <laughs> Desert Spring now means a great deal to me, and I love worshiping there. Um, I love the community group. That was a lot of fun. I've been involved with the Desert Spring Community Resource Center, which is our food pantry and food distribution program. I help write grants to help fund the Resource Center. Um, and I've been involved in some of the other activities. I pretty much always participate in Sacks for Souls. I was involved uh, quite a bit in the beginning in developing our work at Sandy Valley. So all in all, Desert Spring is definitely my church home. No, oh, thank you. Thank you. And and I know you've played a, an integral role in uh, securing funds for the Community Resource Center. And uh, can't thank you enough on behalf of our church and community. That's, uh, we wouldn't be able uh, to have our, our resource center without you. So we well, appreciate you. that. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Why don't we go ahead and dig in to our devotional for the day? Our scripture is Matthew chapter 16, verses 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. What do we believe about God? I began my sermon last Sunday with that question. There are lots of answers to that question. In the sermon, I stated a few. God is one, one God, who is holy. God is the creator. God cares about creation as, and is involved in creation. God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is merciful and just. God is love, self-giving love. Of course, God is much more. How would you answer that question? What do you believe about God? Linda, you want to kick us off? Okay. Well, I, I sort of believe everything that you talked about, that God is the one true God, um, that he incorporates Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I've learned in my life to call upon the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. uh, more than I did as a younger person. Um, and definitely, I believe God is love, self-giving love. And when I think about my whole life, and I hope this doesn't sound pompous because I don't mean it that way at all, but I have been given such generous, self-giving love from the Lord that I could never acknowledge it sufficiently or, or be worthy of it in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree, um, which kind of reminds me of one of the Sundays that I was here on campus, and I was kind of tidying up uh, before church services on a Sunday morning, and I, and I was out. We have pigeons that roost near the front doors of the church, and I was out with the broom, and I'm getting the pigeon evidence away from the front doors so people don't have to walk through it, 
And it struck me how blessed I am to be removing the pigeon evidence in the house of the Lord. And it was just like, <laughs> that sounds so weird. But but I'm, I just felt so privileged to be performing this act for God um, and that he was accepting of my service, um, however lowly uh, that service that service is. So, um, so what do you believe about God, Susan? How do you answer that question? Well, besides some of the things Linda said so beautifully, I often think of God, what a magnificent creator. I mean, if there's nothing else we know for sure about God, we know God is a magnificent creator. If you look at this world and from the beautiful landscapes, from the animals, from the human beings, how he's created every single one of us and how special it is to have been created by God. And like Linda, I don't want that to sound like a lot of hubris, but it's uh, just a special thing to God have loved me enough to create me and give me this life. And every single day I pray thanks to God for giving me this day and this life to live. What a gift we have. So I think there's that. And I also think God is a can solve any problem. Mm-hmm. Problem solver, creator, father, uh, the greatest spirit. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, so both of you mentioned the Holy Spirit and, and that was one of my first thoughts as well. Um, not only that God is love, but God loves me enough to invest the Holy Spirit into my life to provide direction. And, um, I can, I can listen for that still small voice in my life and I can turn to prayer and, and my Bible and my faith, um, for direction in my life. Um, and so I see God, um, you know, pastor mentioned on Sunday that some people see God as more of the clockmaker that he set things into motion and then backs off. But that is not how I personally see God. I see God is very involved in my life um, daily. Um, And so uh, I'm very thankful and blessed, um, just as you ladies said. um, It's it's beyond um, comprehension, almost. And and of course, I'm not the only one. Everybody that wants a relationship with God can have a relationship with God. So uh, Pastor David also asks what it means to be created in the image of God. Again, there are lots of answers to that question. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? How do you answer that question? I thought that was very interesting in the sermon. Um, When Pastor David said um, something to the effect of, we're not that stuff or God's not that stuff, meaning and yet, I, I went home and I thought about all the pictures, all the photographs, all the artworking all over the world that have depicted Jesus to basically look like we look. So I'm wrestling a little bit with that concept of, of us made in the image of God. Mm. Um, Mm-hmm. That still kind of haunts me a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I think about it, I think 
knowing that we're created in the image of God means that we need to respect that about ourselves, that we need to understand that that gives us a special place in the world, that more is required of us, more is expected of us than would be expected of an animal or a plant or something that was not created in the image of God, that we need to to honor that, but also know that it means we have more responsibilities, more obligations. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, great point. I think that being created in, in the image of God means that we have a soul, that we have a spark of the spirit contained uh, within us. Um, and, I, and, I, and I have a God-given purpose as well. Um, God, um, being created in the image of God means that God had something in mind when he created me, when he created everyone. Um, and so I have, a, a, there's God's call on my life and God's purpose in my, uh, God's calling leads me to God's purpose for my life. So it's a, it's a whole array of, uh, of things for me being made in the image of God. And just a quick, very quick ad uh, for, um, for having a purpose. Pastor David is going to be uh, teaching a spiritual gifts class um, on November 13 and November 20. And that is available both in person and online. And if you've ever wondered what are your spiritual gifts? What has God given to you? What is my purpose for being on this earth? That class is wonderful in helping you pin those things down and gives you some uh, practical framework for thinking of these issues um, and God's calling on your life and, and how your passions intersect with your call and, and your gifts. And it's a wonderful class. So um, I encourage everyone to take that if it uh, fits in with your schedule. So for Pastor David, part of the answer is love. God is love and we are created to be loving or to live a life of self-giving love. One way he thinks about this is with the language of extravagant generosity. We are at our best as human beings when we are living a life of extravagant generosity. Of course, extravagant generosity means a lot of things as well. We can be giving of our time, our talents and abilities, our resources, our attention. You get the idea. We give of ourselves for others. We are at our best living aligned with the very image of God as we give of ourselves. Jesus lived a life of self-giving love. Think about the stories of Jesus. Do you have a favorite story of Jesus demonstrating self-giving love? Which story and why? Yeah, when, you think, when you think about it, because Jesus gave up his whole life, he dedicated his life to helping people. He left his profession. As far as we know, he didn't have a, a family of his own, as far as we know. He did everything he did to teach and travel, which was hard and rigorous in those times travel around and spread the word and to help people so it's hard to, it is hard to pick out one story i kind of like the fishes and the loaves i don't know if that's quite self-giving but what he did with that and the other thing he did with that he didn't just make food appear he took the bread and the fishes that a little boy i think it was a little boy offered him 
and he used those. So then the child could also see, you know, that he even as a child could offer something. So I, I kind of like that story. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. To me, almost, I mean, a lot of what Jesus taught was in the form of parables, but always the parables demonstrate self-giving love. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think of the prodigal son and the father who forgave him, and lots of stories in the Bible around forgiveness uh, and redemption and giving people second and third and fourth chances. Um, so all, all of really the stories either tell a specific situation like the loaves and the fishes or a parable where Jesus demonstrates mm-hmm. self-giving love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's really kind of unique to the New Testament, too, because the New Testament is setting itself apart from the Old Testament and that that message of love and forgiveness and peace is really uh, what it's all about, I think. Mm. Yeah. Love God, love each other, right? One of the most interesting things that I've done is I'm participating right now in the pastor's study of great religions. And interestingly, this Thursday, a couple of days from now, we'll be, we will be looking at Christianity. As we looked at Judaism, we looked at Buddhism, we looked at all these interesting but very different religions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of what Sue's saying is really true. You can, you can really see the more loving envelopment if that's a word, overall of what Christianity offers compared with with many of the other religions that don't have that. They have some fundamentals that are similar, but they don't have what Jesus brings. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And when I, when I think of Jesus and self-giving love, um, obviously the first thing that came to my mind when I read this question was the cross and, and Jesus giving his very life uh, so that we could be in relationship with God. Um, but I also thought about the foot washing ceremony that he mm-hmm. had with his disciples and how it was the example, you know, of of servanthood and a servant leader and and loving each other and and in very practical ways serving each other um you know when i think of of um jesus being you know there at at creation and and being a part of god and washing people's feet yeah it's just it's a mind-boggling um to me that this would be something that he undertook in his in his mm-hmm. uh, in his work, teaching us. Um, yeah. So David says, of course, the cross is the one big answer to that question. And in the scripture for today, Jesus said, "Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me." For the first disciples, the words literally meant pick up a cross. All but one was martyred. But that was a long time ago. What do those words mean to you? What does deny yourself mean? What does pick up your cross mean? Let's start with deny yourself. What is is denying yourself? That's a hard one. Um, Because 
again, having been very richly blessed, um, I've not had to deny myself of much, um, at least in terms of material things. Mm-hmm. And, right. But even in terms of friends and relationships and worship, all of those are, are all blessings. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think it becomes clearer as we get older. When I was younger, I was kind of scared to follow Jesus because I was sure he's going to make demands I didn't want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I was absolutely sure. But the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that isn't true. That a lot of things maybe I thought I wanted when I was young, I didn't want anyway. I prefer being on this path now that he has me on. So I don't know if that's exactly denying, you know, denying what I might have wanted when I was younger or not, but it is a bit of denial. I think, I think it is. Yeah. That's, I think that's exactly the crux of it, at least for me, is I need to focus not on what Anne wants, but on what God wants so that I'm not, I'm denying what I might live my life for, which is Anne. And instead I'm living my life as a, a, again, back to the purpose of God. Um, And I'm living my life as part of something bigger And, you know, of course I fail, I get selfish, I get tempted, I get, I want to spend my time on myself, I want to spend my money on myself. And, and I fall down, of course. But, but denying myself also means that I can ask for forgiveness and start over, start again. So uh, what does picking up your cross mean? This one, I, I, struggle, I struggled with picking up your cross a little bit more than denying yourself. What, what does that mean? That's a good, great question. Well, I, I think we all bear crosses in our lives. That's right. And some of it even goes back to what you said about doing what God wants as opposed to what we want. Um, God has been so uh, directing in my life that it... It continually amazes me, literally, and I can think of at least three or four major instances in my life where I wanted to do this, and he said, no, you're going to do this. And this was sometimes very difficult. But if you follow, that's your cross. You bear that cross based on whatever he guides you to do. And in, in the end, in the long run, you're really blessed by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you've, for me, you've hit the nail on the head. I think you're exactly right on. And if you want to share one of those stories that came to your head, if you're comfortable doing that, we would certainly welcome that. You, there's no pressure to share beyond what you're comfortable with. But gosh, a story about how God is directing you, that I'd love to hear that. Well, maybe I can do this in a, a tactful way. Um, <laughs> many years ago, I was involved in a relationship, um, and a relationship that I really wanted to maintain. And the person that I was involved with cared about me, loved me, I think, but also had other obligations. 
And in the long run, right down to literally the last minute, when, when I was given the opportunity to say, yes, I want to be with you, God's honest truth. God put a whole other sentence wow. in my mouth. Wow. I mean, really. <laughs> Which is basically, no, I can't do that. Not even if you ask me, I can't do that. And when I play that back in my head, yet to this day, I'm like, where did those words come from? Mm. Where did those? And I've had that happen a couple of times in my life. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. amazing, all right. It's <laughs> amazing. What a what a blessing to have to have that. And in truth it was, in the choice that he made me take ended up to be the right choice. Mm -hmm. Always, yeah. Even though it was painful in lots of different ways, mm -hmm. but it did end up being the right choice. Mm -hmm. So those kinds of things help me to increase my faith and my trust. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. What a what a neat <laughs> what a neat story. I love that. All right, Susan, follow that, baby. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing like that. I got I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that sometimes I'm not sure if um, picking up your cross. And how that relates to following your calling. I think they're related in That's some good. way. Um, and sometimes I think about when Pastor David talks about how he denied his calling to be a minister for so many years. And so I wonder, to him, was it almost like picking up a cross? Mm. He did say, okay, I'm going to do this. Now, I have never had an opportunity to chat with him about that. But it, that crosses my mind when we look at this question. Mm. So, is your following your calling also picking up your cross? And I don't know. Yeah. And I think denying yourself can be your cross as well. I, I, I think I think picking up your cross seems to me to be a recognition and acceptance that things are not easy, that you will have challenges and um, you can work through those with God um, and and he's there with you um, uh, as you pick up your cross. There's there's all kinds of help that comes along those paths. Um, so I, yeah, 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 I think so too. Living a life of extravagant generosity is not easy. There are many challenges we face. And there are many temptations to do otherwise as well. One challenge for David has to do with time. He's already busy. So how does he give more of his time? The challenge is not exactly about time. It's about priorities. How do we best use our time so that we can live a life of extravagant generosity? And Pastor David says that he wrestles with this question often. So how about you? Uh, when it comes to living a life of extravagant generosity, what are some challenges that you face? Uh, one, one thing I want to ask, you know, I'm even after hearing the sermon on Sunday and reading this, I'm really not sure I understand the word extravagant. What makes it extravagant generosity rather than generosity? And I'm, I really don't quite understand that. And Anne, I'm not sure if you can shed any more light on it or not. I don't want to put you <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, I could give you my interpretation. I, I don't know what, what Pastor David would say. But for me, extravagant means intentional and in the spirit of God. Okay. Um, so that that's my interpretation of extravagant. Uh, any? Do you have any thoughts, Linda, about what the word extravagant might mean? To me, generosity is extravagant. I mean, if you're really either giving or or above and beyond what you're capable of, whether it's financial or personal or whatever. Um, so I, I don't, I understand what Sue's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it's, not, it's like extravagant. If you're generous, you're already extravagant. That's Maybe right, that's what right. I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. I love the way Anne described it, just being intentional. That, okay. that makes And, you know, I think the... Uh, challenge I face is I can be generous in some ways, but there's some ways in which I don't feel like being generous. So for example, it's pretty easy for me to say, okay, I'm going to send them some money for Sacks for Souls. It's pretty easy for me to say I'm going to contribute to the um, Africa scholarships. But it's very hard for me to go to a soup kitchen and on a Thanksgiving morning interact with the downtrodden people. I don't know why, but that's harder for me to face to face do the hands-on ministering mm-hmm. for somebody. Mm-hmm. I have to overcome a lot of fear to do that kind of thing. And that's what it was, it is fear. You know, who, who is this person? I know they're needy, but, you know, what what does that mean to me? So I know that's a problem I've got. It's a challenge I've got that I need to figure out how to overcome. Mm. Mm. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um. So, so Linda, what do you, uh, what do you think? What, it, when you, Think about being generous. What what are your challenges in that? Sometimes it's just the capability of, of what I'm able to do. However, if I'm truthful, it goes back to the issue of priorities. Mm-hmm. And whatever your priorities are helps identify what you're able to do or give or share. Um, so I have to work on my priorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, but I think challenges to generosity probably all come down to priority. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I think about my own challenges, um, I just a couple of years ago I I went through you know a very significant health problem, and ever since then my energy levels are not half of what they used to be. And I, and I feel like I'm aging at such a rapid rate, um, than, than I was before. And so, um, so for me, it's like, do I have the energy to, to do that? And it's, it's getting more and more difficult for me to push myself into, generosity with my energy so that that's a struggle for me um and and i think it's a priority you know i have a i have a i have energy to do the things i want to do (laughs) (laughs) see that's what i mean about the truth (laughs) yeah yeah what's you really have got to examine yourself right and i think besides the priorities this is another place where it comes into play what are your spiritual gifts and how do you know we don't all have to do everything. 
and that's what I have realized, or maybe I just make excuses of it. I can look at what I'm able to give, what my gifts, where my gifts lead me to give and be generous and realize maybe somebody else's gift is good. Maybe somebody else's gift in that soup kitchen line, whereas my gift is to help organize the soup kitchen line, which it would be, you know. So maybe realizing we, we can't do everything. I say yes as much as I think I can to things when I'm asked to follow a, a certain path. But prioritizing what's going to make the best use of my spiritual gifts and my time limits and my health limits, perhaps that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think you brought up a good point. Generosity itself is a spiritual gift. Uh-huh. There are people who are more gifted in generosity than they are in other things. Um, and so, you know, maybe generosity is one of your gifts, isn't, you know, maybe writing that check is what you're called to do. So, yeah. you know, there's no diminishing that for sure. I mean, I, this is a little off topic, but I just want to say, when you talk about health issues, you know, a lot of us have health issues. And as we deal with health issues and we don't feel as able sometimes, I read a wonderful devotional once and it said, sometimes you have to be a little bit incapacitated so other people can take care of you. So other people can practice their generosity on you. And I thought that was just a wonderful, wonderful message. So I wanted to share that. I, 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 I understand that, that being ministered to is also a ministry. And, um, and I think that it's humbling to not always have the kind of energy that I would like to have. And there's lessons in that as well. Um, But certainly, you know, we have a church full of ministries, wonderful ministries. If no one accepted those ministries, where would we be? You know, you being ministered to is an important part of, of ministry. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me, Susan. So there are temptations, too. During my sermon last Sunday, I talked about the temptation to equate more with being happy. More does not equal happy. We know that. Yet how often do we think, if only I had more, then? Well, it's easy to do. It's especially easy to do when it comes to generosity, to think, if I only had more, then I could give. If only I had more time or more money, and then I could do so much more to help others. While that may be true, living a self-giving life is not something for the future. It's how we live regardless of how much we have or don't have. In other words, if we wait until we have enough, we will never get around to living the life of extravagant generosity and we'll miss out on the happiness and peace that comes from living the life we were created to live. So as you think about living a life of extravagant generosity, what does it look like for you? And it will look different for each one of us. What does extravagant generosity mean to you? How do you see extravagant generosity lived out in our church? So let's go, let's, let's take that first question. Um, What does extravagant generosity mean to you? Like we touched on that a little bit, but um, but can we expand a little bit on that? Maybe 
you could include in the concept of extravagant generosity in a situation like you were talking about, where you were limited on energy, but you push yourself to do more. And a lot of people do that. They, for various reasons, they extend themselves above and beyond. So there again, that's the extravagant part of being generous with your time or your gifts, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Any any thoughts on that one, Susan? Yeah. One thing that I do is I try to be very open to saying yes when opportunities come my way or doors open up to say yes to helping here or there. You know, if if something if somebody comes to me and they need help with something, I try to always say yes. I also do have to be wary of not overextending. But I think that's the way sometimes op, op, I call them opportunities. They might also look like burdens or problems, you know, but they're opportunities to try to help, whether it's in smiling at somebody, taking somebody a meal, contributing money, um, saying, yes, I'll volunteer for this committee, uh, you know, being at the church bake sale or something, you know, just different different avenues for helping out society in some way or another or following God's plan. I think that's that means generosity rather than cutting yourself off from those opportunities. Mm-hmm. I know something. I know some people whose first word is always no. Mm. No matter what the opportunity is, it's always no. I try very hard not to be that way to try. Actually, I don't have to try hard. My instinct is to say yes. My instinct is to show up. And I think that's part of what extravagant Mm -hmm. generosity is. I think you're exactly right. I, I think extravagant generosity means that you're not focused on what you want to be focused on you're focused on others um and and how you can help um and you know whether that's monetary or time energy uh love prayer whatever it happens to be um the focus of extravagant generosity is on others i think that's such a an overarching characteristic of all of desert spring we we demonstrate every day. You know, the, the next question, if I can jump ahead, talks sure. about how do you see extravagant generosity in our church? And what I see is such extravagant sharing of love mm-hmm. in the form of helping, but in the form of just being there um, to support people and to support the church. And and. That, I think, is really worthy of the, not just generous, but the extravagant generosity. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. So the question is, how do you see extravagant generosity lived out in our church? And this is an interesting question, I think, for you, Susan, being mostly an online worshiper. How do you see that? Well, you know, I think it's a number of ways, but the, the number, one of the first ways is even in the first line of our mission statement. We welcome all. I have gone to other churches that do not welcome all. It is generous. It is extravagantly generous to say you are welcome, even if perhaps at first glance you don't look like you're going to fit in, or at first glance you don't look like one of us, or at first glance you know you look like you might be worthy of judgment. We say no. We welcome all. That's extravagantly generous, and that is one of the main things I love about Desert Spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that's different about it in other churches I've been a member of in my life. Yeah, I agree. The the inclusion 
um, the outwardly focusing, um, you know, we're not, uh, we're not focused on ourselves and what we can do for us. Um, even, even in terms of the worship service, you know, it's designed for people who are not always with us and, you know, need to make sense of what's going on and so forth. So it's designed for, to be inclusive. Um, and I, I, I think all are welcome was one of my, was one of my, um, how I see generosity lived out. That that's hard. It's, it's hard to do. Um, it, you know, and the rubber meets the road in, in really odd ways sometimes. Um, but you know, how do you, yeah. how do you, yeah, well, how do you welcome all that's, that's, it's tough. It's tough and it's extravagant and it's generous. And let, let me give one other example that at Desert Spring. I've attended some churches when I've mostly been a visitor at certain churches where you can be a Christian, but not be a member of that church and you may not take communion. Mm-hmm. And I love communion is not our church's sacrament. It's the Lord's sacrament. Anyone should have access to that sacrament. And I'm going to choke up at this. It makes such a difference to me. Every, every time we have communion and pastor David says, all are welcome at this table. Cause not all churches do that. And that's very meaningful. And as an online worshiper, you are welcomed to get bread and juice from your own kitchen and God's blessing extends to your right. home and, and the elements that you have gathered. And it's funny, uh, you know, I think Pastor Lee even says a uh, 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 cold pizza and a Pepsi or something like that, <laughs> you know, so it's just, <laughs> so just gather some elements and God will bless them wherever you are. And, um, and I think that is so important. Um, for our online worshipers and and our in-person worshipers as well. I, um, over the years, Pastor Dave has done a number of sermons around the concept of all are welcome and all means all. And all through the time that he's done that, whenever I see, and sometimes it's scripture or sometimes it's um, the procedure that we follow in a sacrament where it says many, Jesus did this for many. For many. And I'm always, well, wait a minute. Who got left out? Yeah. Well. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of haunts me a little bit. Well, I, I, just off the top of my head, I would think the people that get left out are the ones that want to get left out. You know, people who choose to not That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we all know people who have chosen other ways to live their lives. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it, Jesus dying on the cross for them doesn't mean anything for them. Mm-hmm. God's will is all, but pe- people have free choice. You're right. And so it ends up not being all, even though all are welcome. Yes. <laughs> okay. Many respond. <laughs> all are welcome, right? <laughs> Many are called for few are chosen or something like that. I don't yeah, know. Right, that's good. <laughs> right, right. That's good, Sue. Yeah. So one final question. Let's uh let's wrap this up. What are some ways that you're trying to give of yourself? What's one thing that we can do this week to be a little more generous? 
I did a podcast. Uh, amen. <laughs> <laughs> that is out of your comfort zone. Yes, ma'am. And you have blessed our listeners. Good. That, Thank that you. Talk about extravagant generosity. Thank you. <laughs> well, that, that was the first example that came yeah. to my mind. Yeah. And you gave up your time. Yes. And you stepped out of your comfort zone to be here. Hopefully you have been blessed. Yeah. And and I know because I hear the feedback that that the listeners are blessed through through our podcast. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. So all right. So well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Um, I certainly want to thank Chris Devereaux, who's our technology director, who's kind of behind the scenes and pushing all kinds of buttons and having a great time back there. <laughs> Uh, I want to thank Susan Denley for joining us via Zoom and for taking time out um, of your day and blessing us. Thank you to Linda Lewis, um, who so generously stepped out of your comfort zone to be here and discuss these things with us. Uh, Why don't we go ahead and close in prayer? Heavenly God. Thank you for this opportunity to talk about generosity. Help us to live out generosity, to be examples of that. We ask for your blessings upon our listeners. Um, We all have burdens and we just ask that you be in their lives with your extravagant generosity and sending the Holy Spirit onto all our listeners. Thank you so much for our guests who have taken time out of their days and given of themselves. Please bless them as well. In Jesus' name, amen.